Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Does anybody still know that He is on the throne? Amen. God, you are good. If you have your Bible tonight, we're going to look in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, 5 through 7. I'm going to read it in the King James, and then I also want to read it in the NLT. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. I want you to listen to that. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now in the NLT. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. Seek His will in everything you do. And He will show you which path to take. Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Let's pray for this service tonight. God, You are good, You are holy, and You are mighty. Let Your good and perfect will be done in this place. Touch everybody from the front to the back. Let them leave changed and better than they came. In Jesus' name, You may be seated. Hallelujah. Anybody love the book of Proverbs? Hallelujah. Well, I've been stuck on Proverbs, and I've been reading in it a lot. And I couldn't help but notice the many decisions that we are faced with. Many points that are given showing us that there is a reaction to every action that we take. We are faced with so many decisions to think positive or negative, to speak positive or negative, to to decide to do things that are godly or do things that are fleshly. And when I read through these chapters, it allows me to apply, apply it into my life. Hallelujah. The things that we do, the things that we say directly impact my walk with God. Hallelujah. And it affects my family, it affects my marriage, it affects the relationship with my kids, at work, with my co-workers. Everything I do affects something in my life. Every action I take, whether it be for good or bad, for the kingdom or the flesh, impacts how people see me and how God sees me. Amen? <clears throat> Hallelujah. And all of this starts in one place, and that's our minds. Pastor Herring has said it many times that, that there is a, the easiest way to fail is through your mind, okay? 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, can you put that up please? says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the, against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Keeping God the focus of our thoughts and our heart is the key. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a song that says, Jesus, be the center of it all. That sums it up perfectly. Jesus, be the center of my marriage. Jesus, be the center of my work, of my relationships, of my finances, of my health, and all, most importantly, of my walk with you. Jesus, be the center of it all. Hallelujah. Can you put up 
Philippians 4, 8 and 9, please. It says, finally, brethren, I'm going to paraphrase here. All the things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, whatsoever are of good report, think on these things. Hallelujah. Think on these things. Jesus is the center of all those things, and they are how we stay on track with God. Hallelujah. In the calmest and stillest times in our life, whether you're sitting by a creek or up on a mountaintop or in a tree stand, amen, wherever you are in that place, there is one thing that never stops working, and that's right here. It doesn't matter where you are, this is the one thing that never turns off. So I've referenced this story before, so if you heard it, just bear with me. So for anyone that has ever been at a bear bait or hunted in a tree stand, it just seemed fitting seeing that it's almost that time of year. It is that time of year. We're just waiting for them to show up. So you get in the stand, and everything just feels perfect. It's the night, Brother Stacy. It's the night that that big bear is coming in that you've been waiting for. You get in the stand and it's calm. There's no rain, no wind, just dead silent. Every little movement just sounds so loud so you sit as quiet as possible. So you hear a, you hear a crack or a ruffle in the leaves. Maybe start hearing some walking and you're like, oh yeah, this is it. It's coming in now. You get your bow and you get ready and you get in position, and you can hear it, it's walking, it's walking, it's walking, and out pops a squirrel. Anybody been there before? I know I have plenty of times. Or a moose, or a bird. So it doesn't matter where you are in the woods, wherever you are, that squirrel is going to show up. It doesn't matter how calm and how quiet it is with zero distraction, that pesky squirrel is going to show up. And our minds are the same way. They never leave, they never turn off, and they never go away. No matter where you are, you can count on that pesky squirrel, on that mind is always going to be there, and there's always going to be something going in and out of it. Amen? Hallelujah. Which is why the devil obviously uses it so often. Amen? It's up to us to try to notice those small, subtle hints, those small things that the devil is trying to place into our mind and when he's trying to move into my walk with him, when he's trying to move into my workplace, when he's trying to move into my family, and we have to stop him cold in his tracks. Amen? Hallelujah. Solomon in Proverbs, he gives us many things that we can use in a spiritual battle with the devil. Proverbs 16 and 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, it maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 30 and 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Hallelujah. Proverbs 18 and 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it, and they are safe. Hallelujah. You know, you are in a safe place tonight. You are in a righteous place tonight. You are in a strong tower that God has a covering over tonight. Hallelujah. 
God, you are good. Proverbs 29 and 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Hallelujah. And one more, Proverbs 28 and 26. He that trusteth on his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely shall be delivered. Hallelujah. There are so much wisdom from the man Solomon. Amen. So many nuggets, as Pastor Herring would call them. Words that we can hold on to and we can bring to the fight with the devil. I believe we serve a God. We serve a great big God. A God that undoubtedly we can put all of our trust in. And he will never, ever leave us or forsake us. Amen. Hallelujah. The devil may know all the tricks. All the thoughts to make pop up in your mind to try to get you to slip. But our God is greater. Amen? Our God is stronger. Amen? And our God is like no other. Amen? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He is there when no one else is. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the lily of the valley. He is the alpha and the omega. He was there in the beginning, and he will be there in the end. Hallelujah. God, you are good. Deuteronomy 31 and 6. If you could put that up, please. If not, I got it. Tells us, be strong. Fear not. God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. If you feel like you are under constant attack from the devil, I suggest that you start protecting your mind. Amen. Fill it with the Word of God. Acts 17 and 11 tells us to search the Scriptures daily. Amen. It is all about more of Jesus and less of me. More of God and less of my flesh. More of my salvation and less of this world. Amen? Hallelujah. John 3 and 30 says, He must increase and I must decrease. We need to start being sensitive. We need to start putting down things of our flesh. Putting down things that are making me farther away. And we need to start exalting Jesus. We need to start putting Him up on that throne that He is worthy of. Amen? Hallelujah. God, You are good. Get into the Word. It'll change the way that you face your, chi- your trials. It'll change the way that you handle your valleys and also how you handle your mountaintops. Amen? The devil would love nothing more than to get you to the point where you start questioning God. To get you to that point where you start asking God, why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Amen? This is why Proverbs... 3, 5 through 7 just stuck out, just like hit me in the face when I was reading it. You know, it starts off, trust in the Lord. What more do you need when it says trust in the Lord? There's a lot of things we can attempt to trust in, but I'm telling you that if we trust in the Lord, nothing else is ever going to take that place. Amen? Hallelujah. In the first part of of verse 7, it says, Be not wise in your own eyes. In the latter part of verse 6, it says, He shall direct thy path. Amen? And if we want to protect our minds, we have to stop being wise in our own eyes and start letting Him direct our path. Hallelujah. 
God, you are good. So I got another story for you, and I'm running out of time, which always happens. So years ago, my good friend, Marshall Carlisle, and I, we were young and we were dumb, and we decided we were going up moose hunting up on the mountain. And we packed up all our stuff, and we started heading up the mountain. Pastor Herring told us right where to go, and we started going, and everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, the weather came in. The fog came in. You couldn't see five feet in front of you. It just covered everything around you. And we had no idea where we were. And we started to feel like we were maybe a little bit lost. So we decided to pitch up our tent, get our camp going, and we kind of just hunkered down and waited till we could see where we were going. And time went by and time went by and Marshall ate all his food for the entire trip in a matter of three hours and... He decided to bring up a giant two-person sleeping bag, I swear it was, and a full-size pillow, which took up 80% of our two-person tent, so that was very comfortable. But after time and time went by, we finally popped out, and we looked, and we were no more than a couple hundred yards away from where we intended to go. The entire time that we were thinking that we were lost, we were right where we needed to be. We just couldn't see it, all right? Hallelujah. We had lost our path, but we were where we needed to go anyways. And I said all that to say this. Sometimes you can't see your path, but God is going to be right there with you. Amen. Hallelujah. When the devil tries to fog you in, when the devil tries to cloud your mind, you just have to know, you know what? I'm going to hold on to the things that God has given me. I'm going to hold on to the promises that God has declared in my life. Whether I can see where I'm going right now, I know that if I stick with God, I will get there. Amen. Hallelujah. God, you are good. And we can avoid all that by putting God in control. An unknown quote says, what consumes your mind controls your life. Do not focus on your adversaries, but focus on God's possibilities. Amen. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Rest in that strong tower. Know that God has your back. Amen. And when you reach those cloudy and fog covered times in your life, just remember you are not alone and God will direct your path. Amen. So true. Good stuff. Mind turning that mic off? Good, good stuff. Tell you all, I can tell you already, Sister Dakota, that I to put that part at least on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Lord. Be here tonight, praise the Lord. And. Me like licking my lips. They're talking about sitting in a tree stand. They're singing the song, No Place I'd Rather Be. <laughs> anyway, Sister Heather, if I had a chance a month ago, Wednesday night, to be one of the panelists. He stuck that meme on the screen and said, if you had a 30-minute lunch, where would you go? 
There is no doubt in my mind I would have found where David was sitting. I wouldn't have even looked to see who else was in the room, and I would have beelined to David's table. The story I'm going to tell you tonight is one of the reasons why, just one. So much that we can relate from Solomon, David's son, words, and the more time a person spends in Proverbs, the better off your mind will be about things of God. But Solomon's father, where I would have went to sit that night, Right? David, no doubt in my mind, and this story is one of the reasons. First Chronicles 17, don't stand. We've already been up a lot, but I, I want you to just relax and go with me. First Chronicles chapter 17, and I'm going to read the first four verses from the King James. Came to pass, love that phrase. As David sat in his house, Bible said that David said to Nathan, David's the king. Now, I've said this until you could tell it to me. But when David was the king of Judah, and then Judah and Israel, for 40 years, the civil law was the same as the religious law. They didn't have a civil authority down at City Hall and then a, a religious hierarchy in the church. They were all one. Civil and religious law was all in one basket. David was a man after God's own heart, but God still gave David a pastor. Imagine that. God still saw fit to give David a, an accountability partner, if you would. As powerful as David was, as mighty as David was, as in tune with God's will as David was, God said, you still need somebody that's going to say, hey, let's do it this way. Well, as David sat in his house, David said to Nathan, his pastor, the prophet, uh, I, I live in a house made with cedar the ark of the covenant of the Lord remains under curtains. Verse 2. Then Nathan just said, ah, I can see you working. I know your mind's on to something. He said, just do whatever you feel. David and the preacher sitting in the house. David said, something don't seem right to me. I've got a beautiful home. And God's covenant Lives in a tent. I like it when people have thoughts of how they can progress or progress the kingdom of God. I love that. I love it. I love it when people have thoughts that are connected to God's will and not just their own. Nathan said, man, everything in your heart, go for it. Because God is on your side. Verse 3, please, Sister Clay. And it came to pass the same night. 
Word of God came to Nathan. Love it, Brother West. Didn't come to David. I know I'll keep repeating myself, but I'm, I'm, you know, you're washing the hood of your car, and you've already done this, but you're kind of like, you keep mixing and blending, right? Here's David, sweet psalmist of Israel. Here's a man after God's own heart. Never be another king like David. Never. This man's got the mind of God in his heart. Here's his pastor. They're in a room and David goes, something just hit me. It don't seem right that I live this luxuriously and the covenant of God is in this little temporary house. And Nathan said, I know God's with you, so just do it. And then at midnight or at nighttime, rather, I don't know if Nathan was sleeping or not, but God speaks to the preacher. What a profound thought, huh? What a profound thought that God would actually speak to the pastor or the preacher. I wouldn't belong in a church where a man of God can't get a fresh word from the presence of the Lord and not get it out of a sermon book. Nothing wrong with sermon books, really. I mean, someone had to be inspired to get that sermon, even if you can't be. I mean, after all, Pastor, there's no new thing under the sun. And he said, wait a second. God just told me something. He said, brakes on. Put the brakes on, David. You aren't supposed to be doing that. This is what Nathan told David. Verse 4. Go tell David, my servant, thus saith the Lord, don't build me a house. Thou shalt not build me a house. My title tonight is Dealing with Divine Rejection. How do you deal with divine rejection? We want carte blanche when it comes to our walk with God. We want God just to say, go for it. How do you deal with divine rejection? David says, something's not right. I shouldn't be living better than the presence of God. Does it mean you should throw your blessings away? Got a good job, you ought to thank God for it. He gave you that good job. Bible said every good gift comes from above. You got a nice home? Don't apologize to me for it. God bless you in your blessings today. Something's wrong here. And Nathan said, man, I know you. You're a man after God's own heart. Just knock yourself out. But God knows more than even... Thank God, even the greatest man that ever lived and walked in shoe leather, David, and more than his pastor, God said, Whoa, appreciate the thought and the gesture, David, but I've got better plans than that. What are you going to do when God tells you no? 
wanted. I felt it. I invested myself in it. Preacher didn't seem to have a problem with it. In fact, he kind of patted me on the back and said, Go get it, tiger! And all of a sudden, you put a monkey wrench into the plan, or you, you put something into the spokes of my tire, and it stopped everything in its tracks. What are you going to do when God tells you no? Big plans you've made. Rejection can be painful. Rejection can be embarrassing. Oh, I'd like to go somewhere tonight, but I better not. I'm not sure you can handle where I want to go tonight. I'm just not sure. A little cherry popsicle stick tonight in our teaching. Check this out. I'm going to tell you honestly that I'm as human as you are. And if I got my mind set on something, I don't need a cheerleader. I don't need a motivational team. I don't need a six-step six energized motivational direction given me. If I like something and I can go after I'm going to try to get it. Whether it's a bear or a fish or whatever. But when you feel like there's been an interruption in your plans that's not of your own doing, that something bigger than you and I has put a scotch in front of your wheels, if you would, put a block in the progress of your plans. Anybody like being told no? Tell me no. God said, David, I don't want it to go the way you're thinking it should go. Big plans for college. Big plans for a job. Big career ideas. Listen to these scriptures. How do you deal with divine rejection? What do you do when God says no? We opened in 1 Chronicles 17, remember, 1 through 4? Now listen to 1 Chronicles 18, 1 through 6. You with me tonight? 1 Chronicles 18, 1 through 6. After this, now after this, what? After David had this great scheme, after the pastor said, go get it. After the pastor came back and said, uh-oh, I spoke too prematurely. Don't go get it. After this, it came to pass, David smote the Philistines, watch this now, subdued them, took Gath, her towns out of the hand of the Philistines. Let's just roll through it, sis. He smites Moab, and the Moabites became his servants, and they brought gifts to him. And he smites Hadarezer, king of Zobah, unto Hamath, as he went to establish his dominion by the Euphrates. 
And David took from him a thousand chariots, 7,000 horsemen, 20,000 footmen. He hawked all the chariot horses. That means he cut their hamstrings. Patty cake for David at church tonight. It's going to be so sweet. He waxed the horse's hamstrings and he reserved to them a hundred chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadarezer, king of Zobah, David slew the Syrians, 22,000 men. Then David put garrisons in Syria, Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought him gifts. I love this phrase. It shows up four times in the Bible. Thus the Lord preserved David wherever he went. How do you deal with divine rejection? Had I have been there in the room, I'd have said, David, talk me through this story, would you? Because I can see Ron Herring saying, you know how much I've done for the church and the kingdom? I'd, all I want to do is expand it, and you tell me No! I'm doing this for you. I know you, them, them humps on your back, you think they're angels winged their shoulder blades, all right? You're as human as I am. You're as human as I am. It's, it's one thing when your friend tells you, no. But when God says, don't even think about it. Pastor told me I can't preach. I'm quitting the church. I can't sing and play and lead the choir, and I can't head up the dynamic duel. I quit! Some of us can't even handle earthly rejection. It's been too many weeks since I preached. I'm going to be here a while tonight. This is how David responded to God's rejection. He proceeds to put a beat down He proceeds to put a good old-fashioned you-know-what on the enemies of God's people. Instead of sulking and telling his pastor, you know better, I needed that boost, my morale, my, my, my self-esteem. David goes out and he levels, he pummels, he wipes out people armies, forces that are obstructing the progress of the kingdom of God. Hey! Hey, Philistines! You picked the wrong day and the wrong time to flex your muscles in front of David. If it seems like 
David's got a little bit of edge today. If it seems like he's a little angrier than normal, you got to understand, he's dealing internally with being rejected by the Most High God. He's not sucking his thumb and starting a new church. He's not quitting and I'm not going to ever pay tithes again. David channels that rejection. I'm in the Word tonight, whether you feel it or not. David channels that rejection. I can't do it, God. Give me something to beat up. What what is this hyper energy you've got, David? You're not satisfied with Gath. You're after Syria. You're after... Twenty-two thousand in one spot. If David had six hundred mighty men with him, I kind of got a feeling that Joab and Abishai, seeing him out there with this, what's up with David tonight? It might have bled through the crowd a little bit, and when they saw Brother Anthony, when they saw this madman, so to speak. I'm sorry, but if someone's breaking your home trying to hurt your kids and you want to fight by the rules, I don't know who you are tonight, all right? Uh, No, 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 no. Told myself I'm going to stand here and read my notes tonight, but I've already... David takes his frustration out. Hey, brother, I'm not making this up. Chapter 17, he's rejected. And chapter 18, he goes on the war path, man. I like it, Brother Walter, that David does not take out his frustration on his brother. Doesn't all of a sudden have a problem with somebody sitting in the front row or the third row. Doesn't take out his problems upon his kids, Brother Dave. Don't ask me what kind of day I had. I had all, I left this house this morning wanting to do something great for God, and God stopped me. Don't even talk to me, son. I'm trying to go somewhere tonight. The Bible said this in 1 Chronicles 22 8. This is the reason God told David no. He said, uh, When I really look at the records, David. You've been, you've been pretty violent. You've been a little violent. You know, there's a little bit of blood on your sword. Hey, hey, how, how do you deal with divine rejection? What if you want something so bad you've been convinced that it's been prophesied? can't tell you the number of times, Sister Bryant, over the years, people have told me in the congregation, so-and-so prophesied over me years ago. And look, I, re- I take anybody at face value. I believe in that stuff. Sometimes. If it's some passing mirage in the, in the distance that, that you felt prophetically involved with, 
I'm probably going to say you ate Taco Bell the night before too, I bet. I believe in prophecy. What do you do when God says no? No. What are you going to do? I would have been nudged up to that table. David, you've got to get me in the mind frame, David. Come on. I can see Ron Herring, Clint Pale, Anthony Lindford, Stacy Hull, David Needham, Rob Carlson. I can see all of us wanting to do it. And don't tell me no. Telling you as a pastor, you hear it too often. We can't do that. We can't do that. We've never done it before. We can't do that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, just go have a seat then, would you? We can clean the highway. We can wash cars. We can do outreach. We can win souls. We can have... Just don't plan on coming on the platform in skinny pant leg suits, all right? You'll do, you'll do it once, maybe, but that's about it. David, you've got to get me in your mind frame. How do you make up your mind to not turn into self-destructive mode, to blaming God mode? You know, it's funny how many leaders still blame God in their life. They think God withheld something from them. I told someone today on the phone, hours and hours ago, you never know. If God doesn't give you this, He may be protecting you from something. We don't know. Just because I prayed, maybe God, not maybe, God always sees down the road. And it could be that He's just telling me no because. Can I sing, Pastor? Can I preach? Can I... Say what my teacher used to tell, tell me in grade school. Can you go to the bathroom? Yeah, I guess you're physically able. But if you want permission, you have to say, may I go to the bathroom? You can do a lot of things. But if you want God's will to be done in your life, David takes his frustration out on anybody that opposes the people of God. And God said, here's the reason, because, you know, you've just gotten a little out of control once in a while here. A little too much blood. Not, not, I'm embellishing. Pardon me, Jesus. Pardon me, Lord. But the truth of the matter is God said, there's too much blood on your sword. But he was doing his job, advancing the kingdom of Israel. Wouldn't it be amazing, Brother Plale, if when God tells us no, Wouldn't it be trend-setting, cutting-edge, if when God tells you no, instead of letting it set us back for months on end, (coughs) wouldn't it be amazing if you were the first one in church Sunday morning? Wouldn't it be phenomenal? Wouldn't it be amazing if God blatantly tells you no? you started praying even more. Wouldn't it be something unexpected of me if God tells me no? 
and I start worshiping more. I start giving more. I start witnessing more. I start caring more. How are you going to deal with rejection? If David had been sitting right there, according to the standard he set here in this story, that's what he'd have been doing, Brother Short. You'd have seen him in the altar and you would have thought, I thought God just set him in his place. Dude's over there just wiping out everything negative in his life. How are you going to deal with rejection? Hmm? Plans are good. But plans without God. When God disallows you, what now? What What now? can learn a lot about yourself when you're having to deal with rejection. You can learn a lot about what's inside of you that you may not always be aware of it until you're rejected. Anybody can run the aisles when someone opens the doors and says, have your own way. Here's all the money you want. Here's all the blessings you want. Here's all the raises. You call the shots. Do anything you want. Anybody can do that. What are you going to do, though, when you say, look, I'm sick of hearing that song. Stop playing it. Oh, the pastor. Oh, I feel it. Well, if I could somehow portray if he could convey to me sitting at that table how to portray the image that he did. Wouldn't you be happy in your life if you just realized, hey, I just handled that situation pretty good. Was that me? Did I really handle that good? That's so unordinary for me. Hey, I'm actually not mad. I don't know why, but normally I'd be mad about now. Hey, bro, it's all right. Go ahead and pat yourself on the back. When you realize that you've just come through something that used to just set you back, just to throw you completely out of spiritual balance, and everything that you went through was completely normal, God just said, no! And now you can look at it and go, oh, okay. It was a setback, and I'm not happy about it, but... I'm just, I'm just not going to let it get me down. How do you deal with God's rejection? I don't care who you are, what your religious DNA is, or what your Pentecostal pedigree is, there are times God tells every one of us, no. We don't like to hear about that, though. You want to hear preachers say, everything you ask, God's going to say, whatever you want, my child. But if, if God tells a man after his own heart, right. 
Sister Short, that's where I have sat that night. I've addressed her twice on this issue because that night she came up front and said, I would have sat with David that night. Bless the good name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We exalt your worthy name, God. You're awesome. You're good. You're everything I need. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end, the first and the last. You answered every question I have, God. You settle every confusing cloud that hovers over my life. You, Jesus, alone are worthy of all the praise. You're worthy of all the glory, God, and I give you thanks and honor. I bless the name of the Lord. I bless the name of the Lord. I bless the name of the Lord.